this evening at 6.30. VBS begins tonight and goes all the way through Thursday night. And we hope that you can come and help. Confirmands, love to see you here helping and working and uh, being a part of what's going on and what's right. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing each and every one of you come and support our kids this week. I want to continue my, my uh, sermon series. And I really believe that this particular series is probably one of the most important ones I've, I've ever done. And I like to think that to everyone that I'm preaching. But this one here has a potential to it that can not only change lives, but it can make you into a powerhouse. It can make you turn or encourage you to turn the corner in your spiritual life, in your effectiveness for God, in moving from average to exceptional. God will love you if you're average. He'll love you if you come to church, accept his son as your personal savior, and you die and are buried here. He'll love you. He will. But oh boy, will his chest swell if you begin to make the difference in your community. You begin to touch people, pray for them, and you become a, a player. You become somebody that is, that is engaged in what is going on. You become a help to the needy. Those that don't think they need help, you become a help to them. And you begin to live in a kingdom-building moment atmosphere. This series is called God's Choice, A Description of the Qualified. And as we have said before, you are the qualified because God is using you. And I've been asking these questions and I'm going to continue doing so. The first question is, what drives you? What drives you? What gives you a reason to continue on? What keeps you, what, why do you keep waking up every morning? What is your driving force? The next question is, do you realize that the enemy is working to corrupt your peace? He is. God has given you peace and the enemy spends his entire existence trying to corrupt the good gift that God has given you. The next question is, do you feel an urgency to do good? That is what's already inside of you to make a difference. Do you feel an urgency to make a difference where you are? The next question is, how large is the world that you live in? Average people are satisfied with living in a real small world because average people are very selfish. They just care to their own needs and not to anyone else's. But the more you do for other people, the more that you do for God, your world gets bigger, bigger, and bigger. I want you to live in a large world. And the final question I've been asking you is this. Are you a difference maker? I think you need to be a difference maker. I want, when someone, whoever does my funeral, I want them to say, this guy made a difference. And I want to say that about you too. That is something that we should be striving for is to make a difference in our world. And I've been talking about people in the Bible who've done those things. Gideon, Daniel. And today we're going to be talking about a woman. An incredible lady. Her name was Esther. Esther was, she lived during the time of 483 and 473 B.C. And the book of Esther, it covers a 10 year period during, during which Xerxes... Or, or as the Bible calls him, as uh, Ahasuerus, king of Persia, was reigning in, in the time. Okay, And he, this kingdom dwelt about 150 miles north of the Persian Gulf. So if you can use your mind's map, see the Persian Gulf, you see Kuwait and Iraq right there, Iran on the other side. About 150 miles north of there, this is where all these things happens, happen in the Iraq-Iranian border, somewhere in that, in that uh, area. Now... Some things begin to happen here. Xerxes, 
he throws a big party for his incredible self. And that's, that's true. When you read the Bible, he's talking about how awesome he is and the chronicles of what Xerxes has done. And he throws this huge party for himself. And in this party, the Bible describes a lot of things that are there. The colors that are in this party. The, the gold, the scarlet, the, the purple linen. All these things that are, that are going on. And it describes the goblets that these people drank wine from. They were solid gold goblets that, that all these, these people could begin to drink wine from. And it, it describes all the majesty of this king. And then we find ourselves in Esther chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. And I want you to hear what this says. And I'm going to begin reading the King James Version. It says, When he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the honor of his excellent majesty many days, even a hundred and fourscore days. All right? And when these days were expired, that's a long party, by the way, the king made a feast unto all the people that were present in Shushan, the palace, both unto great and small, seven days in the court of the garden of the king's palace, where were white, green, and blue hangings, fastened with cords of fine linen and purple to silver rings. I said silver rings, not silver plated, and pillars of marble. The beds were of gold and silver upon a pavement of red and blue and white and black marble. Can you see this? And they gave them drink in vessels of gold, the vessels being diverse one from another, and royal wine in abundance according to the state of the king. Now, during this party, a lot of things are happening here. Xerxes, of course, gets drunk on all this wine, and all of his people, they get drunk. And then they said, I want you to, I want you to get your queen Bring her before us. We want her to, to wear all of her regal robes and her crown and walk before us. We want to see the queen. How many know that when people get drunk, their judgment goes down? Okay? They're sort of losing it here. This is a dumb idea. Now, what we haven't read so far is that Queen Vashti, she is also throwing a party because the king has told her, you need to throw one too because everybody needs to know how awesome that I am. And she hears this, this idea for her to dress up, play dress up, and walk in front of this drunken crowd. Well, you know what Queen Vashti did? She did exactly what my wife would have done. She said, I'm not doing that. No. And this didn't go well because King Xerxes was embarrassed. And all the people said, well, if your wife tells you no, our wives will tell us no. So you need to do something. So in effect, he fires the queen. He dismissed her from her service. Now Xerxes needs a new queen. Enter into the picture this guy named Mordecai. Mordecai was a Jew, and he was cousin to an orphan, and her name was Esther. Now Esther had neither mother nor father, and Esther is just an orphan that her older cousin has adopted to raise himself. Esther has something really, really going for her because she's incredibly beautiful. She was easy on the eyes. She was so easy on the eyes that she excelled all the other women in the kingdom. So there was this contest. This little thing goes on, and Esther wins the queen contest. She wins most beautiful, and she becomes the new queen, which we've just found out from Xerxes isn't the best thing in the world because he has a tendency to get drunk and make dumb decisions. Amen? Okay, so Esther does not reveal her, her origin. She does not reveal that she is a Jew to anyone. She keeps this a secret. Now, 
we don't know, maybe she's worried about what would happen, but she keeps that a secret from everybody. Mordecai was then promoted to, quote, sit at the king's gate. This didn't mean that he just sat up there, you know, near the king's gate. He was promoted to this position. This was a place of influence. This was, he was among the wise men of the area, and he's put there because that Esther was his, quote, daughter, or actually his cousin, but he's given favor in the kingdom, and now he's sitting in a very, very popular place. Now, this picks us up in Esther chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. You guys got it back there for me there? It should be the next scripture up. Good deal, okay? All right. Here it comes. Now, this, this, this is in the NIV, and this says, During the time Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, became angry and conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. All right? But Mordecai finds out about this, and he tells Queen Esther, who in turn reports it to the king, giving credit to her father, Mordecai, her adopted father. And when the report was investigated and found to be true, the two officials were impaled on poles. Wow, that's rough, isn't it? All this was recorded in the book of the annals in the presence of the king. So here this thing is revealed, and, and this, this, is, this is working really good for Esther and for Mordecai. Now, in Esther chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, let's continue the story with this next passage of verses. In Esther chapter 3, verse 1, after these events, King Xerxes honored Haman, son of Hamadatha the Agagite, elevating him and giving him a seat of honor higher than that of the other nobles. So he's like the best of all the people sitting in the gate. All the royal officials of the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman, for the king had commanded this concerning him. But Mordecai would not kneel down nor pay him honor. Then the royal officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, why do you disobey the king's command? Because day after day they spoke to him, but he refused to comply. Therefore they told Haman about it to see whether Mordecai's behavior would be tolerated, for he had told them that he was a Jew. You see, as a Jew, Mordecai's not going to need to kneel down to anybody but God. This is very similar to the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor, he was enraged. Everybody else says, what's your problem? Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. He found out that Mordecai was a Jew. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jewish people, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. This is not the first time this happened. It also happened under a man named Hitler in World War II Germany. Same spirit, different people. Are you with me? In the twelfth year of King Xerxes, in the first month, the month of Nisan, the poor, that is the lot, was cast in the presence of Haman to select a day and month. And the lot fell on the twelfth month, the month of Adar. Then Haman said to King Xerxes, there is a certain people dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different from those of all other people, and they do not obey the king's laws it is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them. Remember, the king has bad judgment. And I will give 10,000 talents of silver to the king's administrators for the royal treasury. So the king took his signet ring from his finger and gave it to Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. Keep the money, the king said to Haman, and do it the people as you please. 
Really, really interesting what is happening here. Remember, Esther has not revealed who she is, that she's a Jew and she's queen. And an issue has just been decreed to kill her, the queen, by this guy named Haman. Now, have you ever had a plot set against you? Think about it. Has anybody at work or anywhere ever set a plot against you to cause you to lose your job or something else? Now, the reason that we bless these kids every Sunday is that we understand that the enemy is scheming against them. That there is a plot to destroy them. There's a plot to ruin them of their peace and their protection. And we pray this as a vaccination every Sunday that God will preserve and protect them. That God will make his name known among them. That he will be with them all the days of their life. Now let's continue reading. Esther chapter 4 verses 1 through 3. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes. This is a way for him to show mourning. He was really upset the Jews still do this to this day. He tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the city wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict and the order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jewish people with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Many people lay in sackcloth and in ashes. A very, very bad time for the children of Israel. And I would think that this happened also in Nazi Germany. Esther chapter 4, beginning in verse 5. Let's continue reading. Then Esther summoned Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs, that signed to attend her, and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. So Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square in the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation which had been published in Susa to show to Esther and to explain it to her. He told him to instruct her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and to plead with him for her people. Hathak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, The king has but one law. Now let me explain it to you really quick. It wasn't just Esther. This king had many concubines. And folks, concubines were a bunch of women for the king to have his pleasure with. Many kings had many, many children. And Esther was assigned a certain amount of time, a certain time. And her time was somewhere between December and January. That was her appointed time to be with the king. All the other ten months of the year were all these other women every day. This was not Esther's time to come to the king. And don't don't mistake being queen as being a loving wife here. Because it was more of a contest she won. I don't even know if she was even attracted to this guy. But it was instructed they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares the life if they come in unannounced. Thirty days have passed since I was called to go to the king, Esther said. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. Mordecai said, you're going down with us, sister, because I'm telling you, you need to do something. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Are you hearing this? He said, God's going to deliver us, whether it's from you or somebody else. If not us who, if not now when, that's what he's telling her. 
God's going to take care of us. Esther, it might as well be our family that obeys God. Church, it might as well be you that obeys God. God's going to take this city. God's going to take the school. He's going to take your workplace. The question is, are you going to let God use you? Are you going to be a difference maker? He's going to do it, regardless whether you do anything or not. It might as well be us. He said, for deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. That is the most memorable statement right there in all of the book of Esther. Who knows that you're where you are doing what you're doing for such a time as this. I've had many times where I've been called into duty or service and I've gone there kicking and screaming. I want you to be honest with me now. How many of you have ever gone somewhere and it was for God, it was for good, it was the right thing, but you went there kicking and screaming because you didn't want to go? Have you ever been there? I see a few honest people. The rest of you, I'll have you come forward and I'll pray for you after service. A lot of the things you're going to do for God, you're going to go kicking and screaming if you go at all. Because God always challenges you. He always takes you out of your comfort zone and says, I need you to do this and this isn't about you. And God may have put you in that place for such a time as this. I call that a kingdom building moment. Mordecai looks at Esther and says, Esther, this is your time. This is your moment. Child of God, I'm telling you right now, this is your time. This is your moment. You are where you are because God has allowed you to be there and God is calling you out and calling you up. You're there for a reason. You're not there because you're incredible and you're, you're really impressive. God has allowed you to be where you are for certain moments and certain reasons. So what are you going to do about it while you're in that moment? That's the question that I want you to ask yourself. What am I going to do about this position that I have? You, my friend, are pivotal in someone's life. Someone needs you to step up. Someone needs you to get in that place and say, it's me that God's calling. And I'm not going to let God down. And I'm certainly not going to let these people down either. You need to decide for yourself. The next two people are going to be given kingdom building moments. They didn't run up to me and say, oh, I want to, I want to, I want to. (laughs) They're just like you. They're going to come up here regardless of how they feel. They're nervous about it. They're wondering about it. But they're going to do it anyway because it's important. Because the need is greater than self. That's what a hero is. A hero is someone that sees the need that's greater than their own emotions and feelings. And they take action on it anyway. And that's the anatomy of a difference maker. That's the anatomy of someone that changes their environment that they're in. Esther chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. What happens next? Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Okay. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. I need you to pray for me. I put my life on the line. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. They're bathing this in prayer. Smart. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And listen to what this woman says. You know, this is what gets me when people say that women aren't fit to minister behind a pulpit. Come on now. Women are awesome people. They're full as, with as much of God as I am or any, any other man is. And here this woman is placed in a position and she's taking a stand. And listen to what she says. And if I perish, 
I perish. I go into battle with any, any, anybody like that, any day. That is a will that gets things done right there. I, you know what? Who cares where the torpedoes are coming? I'm going in. Let's go. I'm going to take this chance because I see this moment as a life-changing moment. Esther chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The best thing she had going for her was the prayer, the moment, and the least thing she had was what she was best at in this earth, her beauty. She walks and stands in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance, not expecting her. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom it will be given you. Whoa, there's a temptation moment right there. But instead she says, if it pleases the queen, the king, replied Esther, let the king together with Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. This is the... This is the sneakiness of a woman. This is another reason you don't want to mess with a woman. She's got a plan. Notice that she didn't just come out and say, this is, this is what's happened. No, no, no. She, she's got something going here. She's not giving Haman a chance to defend himself. He's going to get it. He's going to get it cold turkey. And she's going to catch him red-handed. red-handed. Esther chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. So the king and Haman went to Queen Esther's banquet. Oh, by the way, some of the backstories you notice I'm skipping through here. Haman, when he finds out about this, he says, Well, I'm, I've been asked by the king and the queen to come to a banquet. And he's walking around bragging about himself. And there's some other stuff I want you to read. I'm going to give you Simon in a minute. But he's, oh, he just thrilled and his ego is through the roof. And he's been bragging and bragging while at the same time building gallows. For Mordecai to be hung on. He's, you can hear the outside. Those hammers are hitting those nails and they're building this set of gallows for Mordecai the Jews to be hung and to be killed on. So Haman, so the king and Haman went to the Queen Esther's banquet and as they were drinking wine on the second day, the king again asked, Queen Esther, what is your petition? It will give it to you. What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom it will be granted. Again, he offers this. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition. What? Grant you your life. And spare my people. This is my request. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed. What's Haman thinking right now? What? Remember, nobody knows she's a Jew. They've been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. And if we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept my silence. Because no such distress would justify disturbing you, your majesty. King Xerxes asked Queen Esther, who is he? Where is he? (laughs) Where's Haven? He's standing right there. The man who has dared to do such a thing, Esther said, an adversary, an enemy. This Vile Haman. Oh my goodness. Can you feel it? That Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. 
king got up in a rage and left his wine and went out into the palace garden. But Haman, realizing that the king had already decided his fate, stayed behind to beg Queen Esther for his life. Just, listen to this, just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was reclining. He's begging her and he's sort of on her. The king exclaimed, will he even molest the queen while she is with me in the house? As soon as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. They took a sheet, put it over his face, and said, this guy is already dead. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs attending the king, set a pole reaching to the height of 50 cubits, stands outside by Haman's house. Been here the knocking? They've been building a gallows. He'd set up for Mordecai, who spoke up to help the king. Remember Mordecai? He's a Jew. He's the one that saved your life, king. And this Haman has been building gallows for heinous people. So the king said, impale him on it. So they impaled Haman on the pole he had set up for Mordecai. Then the king's fury subsided. What an incredible story. One of the men who was tried for the crimes in World War II, one of the Nazis that had killed so many millions of Jews, as he was being sentenced, you know what he said to the court there in Switzerland when he was being tried? He said, remember Haman. My friend, this was the spirit of Antichrist speaking through a Nazi, the same spirit that had moved Haman to do what he did. And this same spirit is among us today. And this same spirit is trying and criticizing and persecuting the Jewish people. Friend, God's looking for Mordecai's. God's looking for Esther's. Esther was several things. She was beautiful. She was brave. And she had a sense of her own destiny. I'm going to tell you something. I see you as beautiful. I see you as brave. And I see you as a people have a sense for destiny. That's why we go through the trouble we do for VBS. That's why we do a lot of things that we do because we realize there's an enemy out there. Now, here's your home reading assignment. Esther, chapter 8 through 10. Write this down. You can read a lot of backstories. You won't be able to, to, to stop reading. It's awesome. Esther, 8 through 10. Allow your faith to continue to be built up as you read the story of this incredible incident that happened. Here's some questions I want to ask you as we conclude today. Number one, who is counting on you, child of God? There's a man or woman or a young person or a child that's counting on you stepping up and taking a courageous stand for them. Oh, they may, they may come kicking and screaming. You, just, you, know, you don't know. But you know what? They're counting on you being a child of God. Someone is counting on you. Maybe it's not a nation. Maybe it's somebody in your family. Maybe it's your children that needs you so desperately. Maybe it's just a friend. But somebody needs Mordecai and Esther to take a stand for them today. Your life exists for a purpose. Period. You're not born to make a career. You're not born to, to, to enjoy the weather. You're, jo- you're born on purpose and you are living for a purpose. And that's to make a difference in your environment where God has placed you. I challenge you. I dare you to be a difference maker. This is your time. Mordecai is saying this to you now. It's your time. Don't wait for your kids or your grandkids. Be a living example. Young people, don't wait till you're an adult. Start now. 
Those Hebrew children were young people. They were teenagers. Begin now making a difference in your world. And then, of course, will you make that difference? I hope and pray that you will. I believe in you. God did not put me here to pastor a bunch of weak, noodle-backed, average Christians. I believe you've got everything within you to make a huge difference in your world. And I believe you're going to do it. Amen? Amen. I feel like running run through a wall again. I didn't say into. I said through one. Stand with me, please. I want you to repeat this with me. And it is time for us to make a difference. It is time for us to rise above and make a difference. Joseph, you've got it. Are you ready? Repeat this after me. Say with me. I know who I am. I am God's child. I have a powerful purpose. I am destined to lead. I'm a child of the light and not of darkness. Love, peace, and joy are my heritage. To the enemy I say, don't mess with me. I belong to God. I am God's choice. I am filled with His quality. And in this I stand. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord God. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we have spoke these things through faith. And God, You are the Creator and You have created in us these qualities. And Father, as Your children, as Your choices... Father, we stand in this calling. And we want you to know, we want all heaven to know, that we're going to say yes, that we're going to stand up and do the things we've been called to do. We're going to seize every single opportunity. And we're not going to get tired of doing good things. We will not be discouraged by comments and jokes and criticism. We want to serve notice on the enemy that he is up against a formidable opponent. Because we are filled with the spirit of the living God that has already defeated the enemy on the cross. And Lord Jesus, we ask that you'd use us for great things. We stand with you now as we commune with you. In Jesus' name, God's children said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated.